This episode is sponsored by 5.11, a company that I've used for well over a decade and continue to use to this day. And 5.11 is offering you guys, the audience of the Behind the Shield podcast, a discount on every purchase you make with them. Before we get to that code, I want to highlight a couple of products that, again, I personally use today. One of the most impressive products they just released is their Rush Backpack 2.0. Now, for many of you, whether you're going to the fire station, the police station, whether you're traveling with your family, whether you're taking training courses, we have to fly, we have to drive, we have to take trains. And I have to say, I own multiple backpacks, many of uh, 5.11's different ones, but as far as a day pack, this one was the most impressive. There are so many different compartments. The way it sits on your back is incredibly comfortable. If you are a concealed carry person, there's also a spot for a weapon. So they've thought of multiple, multiple things that a man or woman would have to do on a daily basis. That is in addition to all of the products that I talk about a lot. Their uniforms fit for men or fit for women in the first responder professions. The footwear that they offer, whether it's the Norris sneaker or the Atlas system that is designed for foot health and therefore knees and back and hips and shoulders and neck. As a civilian, I live in a lot of their clothes as well. Their jeans stretch. You can actually squat down in them. We live in Florida here, so I wear a lot of their shorts, which again, very, very lightweight material. You can get it wet and it will dry almost immediately. And then moving to the fitness and tactical space, I used to have just a regular weight vest. Recently, I switched to a 511 vest and actually bought ballistic plates as well. My thinking was simply, if I'm going to have a vest, why not have one that protects me as well? And that TAC vest is trusted by law enforcement all around the country. So I mentioned they were going to offer you a discount code. So if you go to 511tactical.com and enter the code SHIELD15, S-H-I-E-L-D-1-5, you'll get 15% off not just that one purchase, but every time you visit their store. And if you want to learn more about 5.11, their mission, their products, then listen to episode 338 of the Behind the Shield podcast with the CEO and founder, Francisco Morales. Welcome to episode 550 of Behind the Shield podcast. As always, my name is James Gearing, and this week it is my absolute honor to welcome on the show Rodney Smith Jr., Now, I first came across Rodney's story on social media, and here was a man who had seen a void, a void in mentorship, a void in opportunity to help people who had needlessly served their communities, whether it was military, whether it was law enforcement, and of course, the elderly. So he created Raising Men and Women Lawn Service. So we discuss a host of topics from growing up in the Bahamas, finding a way to serve, the importance of mentorship, immigration, and so much more. Before we get to this powerful conversation, as I say every single week, please just take a moment, go to whichever app you listen to this on, subscribe to the show, leave feedback, and leave a rating. Every five-star rating truly does elevate this podcast, making it easier for others to find. And this is a free library of 550 episodes for you, Planet Earth. So all I ask in return is that you help share these incredible men and women's stories so I can get them to every single person who needs to hear them. So with that being said, I introduce to you Rodney Smith Jr. Enjoy. Well, Rodney, I want to start by saying thank you so much for taking the time to come on the Behind the Shield podcast today. Well, thank you for having me, man. 
so where are we finding you on planet Earth? Yeah, I'm in Huntsville, Alabama right now. Okay, so that's your, your home base at the moment? Yep. Brilliant. So I love to start at the very beginning chronologically. So tell me where you were born and then tell me a little bit about your family dynamic, what your parents did and how many siblings. Yeah, so I'm from the island of Bermuda. I was born July 4th, 1989. I lived there for about 16 years until I uh, left at 16 years old to attend a special boarding school upstate New York for kids with learning disabilities. From there, I went to Fort Lauderdale, Florida for six months, attend uh, IITT Tech. And after there, I left to head to Huntsville, Alabama. And I've been here ever since. And um, with my mom and dad, I have one sister. Um, and my dad has six in total. So, yeah. Beautiful. Now, what do your mom and dad do as a profession? Um, right now, my mom's doing security and my, my dad's retired. Okay. So, what I'm curious about with the, with the childhood element is you ended up doing something very altruistic and, and me- becoming a mentor yourself. Were there any elements of your childhood that kind of forged that mindset? Ah. Uh, can't really say. I mean, just, just growing up and parents always just telling me, help out where I can. And if you see a need with something, you know, give back. And so, you know, I was always told to just help out. And yeah, it's just something about my childhood that kind of um, forms me to what I am today. I, I look at it as like ste- stepping blocks. Like I couldn't go do what I went to without being, I had to go do what I went to to be here. And you know, I couldn't skip a step. You know, if I would have skipped a step, something would have led me to a different direction. So that, that's how I've seen life. So I think, yeah. So talk to me about life in Bermuda. It's, it's an island we don't hear much about. So what were those first 16 years like for you? Yeah, I mean, pretty cool. 60,000 people. Um, very small-knit community. And I'm yeah, trying to remember. It's been, it's been so long since I've been there. But yeah, just a small-knit community. It's off the coast. Like North Carolina's right here. And Bermuda's about two hour plane drive away. So it's just yeah, just small knit. Um, you know, everyone tries to help out everyone when they can. And yeah, yeah. It was good good times, good times. Um, um growing up in Bermuda. Very good times. Brilliant. Well, you look like you're still in good shape now. Obviously you push a lot of lawnmowers around. So what about sports? When you were a young man, what were you playing back there in the island? Yeah, I was playing football, they call it soccer out here. Um so I was playing that. I was playing basketball. I was running track and field and doing cross country. So the, those are my sports of choices. Brilliant. And then what about career aspirations? When you were still on the island, what were you dreaming of becoming one day? Well, back then I was trying to be like a, a music producer making beats and I wanted to do something with computers. You know, life has its ways and it takes you a different path. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. So what I'm intrigued about firstly is you grew up on this, you know, this beautiful tropical island. Then you went to upstate New York. I actually used to work in upstate New York on summer camps in the summer only. So what was that, that kind of uh, cultural shift like from you, for you, um, going from, you know, like I said, an island to a beautiful landmass that gets very, very cold in the winter? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a nice change, you know, um, the reason why I came to New York was because it was a school for special needs kids. So, you know, I had a learning disability. I just couldn't catch on as fast as other kids. So when I got the chance to go to Armenian, New York, upstate New York, you know, I just love the switch. You know, I got the chance to play sports, but this time you get to travel on a bus to different schools and play. I, I loved that. I, <laughs> man, that was fun. Just going, 
hearing about other teams before you uh, um, play them, like kids that already at the school for a few years, say, oh, we're going to play this school, this and this about them. So I, I really enjoyed that. I mean, best two years of my life. I wouldn't change it for nothing. Best two years of my life. Just had a great time. I mean, now, what did, what did they do differently at that school? I'm curious. Because, I mean, there's people on here that have, you know, reached the highest levels of all different professions and many of them struggled in school because that book kind of academic lens just wasn't the right learning style for them. Yeah, just having that small small classroom, I think it was about five or six in a classroom. So the teachers could do kind of one-on-one and help you out, but I excelled in my learning and just just excelled and socially learning. There's 100 plus kids, at the, just a, probably 100 Hundred or so kids at the school, so that small environment—it was like a family, you know. Cafeteria food—we always used to joke about the cafeteria, cafeteria food, but you know, looking back at it, back at it, it was a good time, you know, very great time. I wouldn't change for nothing. All right. Well, you wanted to to do the kind of you know beats producing, as it were, when you were younger. Then you graduated the school. So, kind of walk me through your career path once you graduated. Yeah. So once I graduated from high school, I went to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And I was there at ITT Tech, you know, just, I don't know how I ended up there, just ITT Tech, and I just had an apartment. My mom and my aunt dropped me off, and, you know, I had to walk school every day, just weird. It's just being on your own, you know. You go from being in a small-knit community to just having a apartment in a regular place. You had to walk to school, you had to, you know, you had to really grow up, you know. I guess I wasn't ready and I'm just, just struggling with that. And then one night I asked God to use me as his vessel. You know, he didn't give me an answer that day, not a month later, not even a year later. Um, uh, it will happen a few years later and it will be the moment that would change my life forever. And that's when I was in Huntsville, Alabama. At this point in life, I was in my senior year of college in Huntsville, Alabama, getting my degree in bachelor's degree in computer science. And that's when I came across an elderly man outside mowing his lawn and it, Looked like he was struggling, so I pulled over and helped him out. And that night, I just decided, look, I'm going to start mowing free lawns. But I realized that that was the moment I asked God to use me as his vessel a few years earlier when I was in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So I made a post on Facebook saying, I'm going to mow free lawns for the elderly, disabled, single parents, and veterans here in Huntsville. If you knew anyone, please let me know. And But my at first, the only requirement was that I didn't have a lawnmower. So if they had a lawnmower, I would be more than happy to come by than, you know, first 10 lawns, people had lawnmowers and I realized a lot of people started reaching out and they needed help. So, you know, um, I went on Craigslist to look for a secondhand lawnmower and I, I came across one. Um, this gentleman was selling it for like a hundred dollars or something. And, you know, as a college student, I, you know, I, I really had that much money to spend. So, and uh, I still used my last to buy the lawnmower, but um, I, he said, do you really want the lawnmower? I said, yes. And I told him what I wanted to do. So I wanted more free lawns, and he just gave it to me for free, you know. And that kind of, you know, push, push, push the um thing along. And at first, my goal was to move forty lawn by the end of the winter because being in college, you know, I thought I could move forty lawns in between classes. But I moved forty lawns so quick that I my goal to hundred. And then a month and a half later, I reached my hundredth lawn, and um, that was in November of 2015. And January 2016, um, the organization raising men, raising women. Raising Men Lawn Care Service was founded and which will later become Raising Men and Women Lawn Care. And it just started naturally in Huntsville, Alabama, you know, with kids coming out and mowing and just mentoring them. And, um, and after a while, we, we turned to a national organization. 
Well, it's amazing. And that, that one moment, because I can relate to that. I've actually had that same conversation with God myself. Like, you know, this is, this has become an amazing platform. I actually hit five years today. So this all started with a, you know, in, in my particular case, I'm going to funerals. Like, you know, how can we fix this? Use me to, to do something good in the world, you know, to, to kind of, you know, be a force multiplier, as it were. So with that moment, um, with that very first, um, mowing that you did, the very first lawn, was there like an intrinsic feeling? Cause I mean, one of the, the most, I guess, misunderstood elements is, you know, people chase money, they chase fame, they chase whatever. And you hear over and over again from people humble enough to report that it's very unfulfilling a lot of times. But yet when you do something good for someone without expecting anything in return, I feel like the body internally rewards you. So did you have a kind of moment of, wow, that really feels good? You know, I, I could do this and, and then, you know, alongside what I'm doing, but actually do some, do some good in the world and actually get this kind of internal reward at the same time. Yeah, it was a very good feeling, you know, because the people that we moved for were, you know, the elderly, the disabled, the veterans, and a lot of them on fixed incomes. They were struggling. So when you can come mow the lawn for free, it now opens them up so they can use their extra funds for food, medication, and other things they really need. So it was a great thing helping them, them out, and then it was a great thing also seeing kids come out and mow, you know. At first, we had kids locally, and a lot of those kids, you know, they, they come from single-parent households or they didn't have a male, you know, role model or something like that. And then just to hear about stories from them and seeing, hearing how much it meant to them that, that they were coming out and stuff like that. So it was a really good feeling. It was really good. So talk to me about that shift from you just doing it yourself, which is, you know, easier to do, you know, having to inspire anyone else. How did you start getting some of these local kids involved? I just, just post on Facebook, just asking anyone if they wanted to get their kids involved to come out. You know, just we were starting up raising my long care service. And yeah, the first kid was a kid named Ethan. He came out. The first kid, first kid ever. <laughs> His mom brought him to the lawn, gave him a shirt, and off he went. Yeah, I remember that day, that day vividly, you know. Yeah. He had a good, he never moved before then. Yeah, what's well, amazing if you just show them. That's the thing. We, even in the fire service, you know, we we get we get very new firefighters coming in. You know, and some of them haven't done a lot of manual labor before they enter this profession. And you can go one of two ways: you can show them how to do it, or you can ridicule them for not knowing how to do it. You know, so I think a lot of a lot of people in general, but especially kids, if they're just mentored properly and and you know shown as you as you saw yourself. What happens when you do something kind? I think it's very, very motivating for a young boy or girl. So I heard someone talk the other day about um, a concept with, as they call it, the first follower. So, right, you know, we always talk about the leader. The leader is the one everyone focuses on, but it was the first follower. So the first person that actually goes and in the same direction as the leader, that's one that kind of breaks the seal. So after Ethan had come and started helping you know what kind of response did you get after that well, it was a positive response um you know kids started yawning slowly and um you know well yeah he, he led the way and his other kids start seeing it and kids that will come out with other friends oh i'm, I'm on free lawns oh we get to get get to get mcdonald's burger king after once we get done and they, they love that so yeah so you know it, it definitely led the way for a lot of kids now, are there any stories that, that come to mind of 
the mentorship that you provided through the lawn care service um, having an impact on that young boy or girl's life? Yeah, I mean, there's stories like uh, Eric. Eric was, you know, I guess he was getting in a lot of trouble before, and he, he said a few times, like, if, if it wasn't for you guys, if I never would have came out, uh, yeah, I could have been just getting up in trouble, you know? So stuff like that, you, you see, and you, you see kids grow and enjoy, really enjoy it and come out and have fun and move. So, yeah. Beautiful. Now, the other thing is, as you said, you help the elderly. And I heard you on one of the other podcasts that you've been on discussing about some of the backgrounds of some of these people. And this is something I talk about quite a lot. You know, we, we're very dismissive in, in society as an old person. Oh, that's an old person. They're driving too slow. They're getting in the way, whatever. Well, obviously, all of us are going to be old one day and we all have a history. So what are some of the, the backgrounds of some of the people that you helped so that you kind of learned about their past? Just regular good people that um you know worked hard you know and got up in age you know just was, every like you said everyone gets old it's gonna happen to all of us you know so these are just regular people that worked hard and saved their money and some of them you know on limited income so they rely on those checks every month and they would tell you look I, I have a certain amount of money and oh I can't afford to pay anyone for long care and so in a program like this can come along and help them out, you know, they really appreciate it because in a lot of cities, if, if they don't, uh, if they don't get, um, their lawn mowed, um, they get fined, you know, so you can find someone that really can't, already can't afford it. So, you know, so you see a lot of stories like that. Beautiful. And then as far as the, the backgrounds, I mean, I think I heard you talking about one gentleman being a, a military veteran that you were helping. Yeah. Veterans, you, you move for veterans, you move for, so many different people from you know, ex-police officers, wives of veterans to, who are now widows, who t- t- tell you about their husbands and how long they've been together. Just, yeah, everyone has a story to tell. You know? Everyone's story is unique. Absolutely. Well, with the, the mentorship then, kind of walk me through the growth. So now you had a few kids that responded to a Facebook post. Kind of walk me through the 50-yard the challenge and some of the other kind of steps that you had in the growth of your project. Yeah, so it just started in Huntsville. Then um, you will end up going viral one day on the internet back in 2016. And then uh, I got a message by, from a lady by the name of Shannon who had a son named Andre in Wichita, Kansas, and then a message from a lady by the name of Lori in Marion, Ohio. They saw what we were doing in Huntsville, Alabama, and they um, wanted to see if they can get their son and grandson involved in the program. So that's when I would uh, tell them, look, if they both can move 50 f- free loans in their community, just like us, how we're doing out here with the kids, you know, I'll come out there and get them a brand new mower, we did on blower. And I'm um, off they went, and they moved 50 loans, and then I went to Kansas and then I went to Marion, Ohio to give them the brand new moors and that eventually will start something called the 50 yard challenge and the 50 yard challenge is just basically a challenge that we've issued to kids nationwide and worldwide to mow 50 free loans in their community for the elderly, disabled, single parents and veterans and if they accept this challenge all they got to do is make a sign saying I accept the 50 yard challenge and in return we send them a white raising men or raising women's t-shirt along with safety glasses and air protection and I um, want to move 10 lawns to get an iron shirt. Wants to move 20 a green, 30 a blue, 40 a red. I want to move 50 lawns to get a black shirt. And when they move 50, I will drive or fly internationally if 
they complete this 50 yard challenge to present them a brand new more reading them lore. So yeah, those two first kids, Andre and um Quinton, gave birth to the 50 yard challenge. And currently we have over 3,000 kids nationwide taking part in it. Um yeah. This year has been our biggest year with over hundred plus kids finishing. So I was on the road a lot this year giving out gifts, giving out uh lawnmowers and stuff. That's amazing because that's something that any any kid can do in any community. Like you said, if they have mowers in in the house, then it makes it even easier. But any teen really can safely mow a, mow a yard. Yeah, any, any anywhere, and it's, it also includes raking leaves and snow shoveling. So it's it's a year round event. Beautiful. Well, you mentioned international. What other countries have you got kids doing this? Um, um, Bermuda, England, Australia, Canada. Japan, Sweden, South Africa, and some someplace else. I forget the last place. But yeah, so but the kids, kids all over just taking part. Of, I think some of the kids that take part in, internationally are on oh, Germany on Air Force bases. So they're Americans, but they're international at the moment. Gotcha. Now you yeah. you also do uh, mowing with law enforcement. So talk to me about that project. Yeah, so that's, that's uh, one of the products I, I've done. Um, I've in 2017 I started something called fifty state tours, where I go to all fifty states, mow for different causes. So it started originally in 2017, and I went to all fifty states just mowing for the elderly, disabled, single parents, and veterans, and making people more aware of the organization and encouraging kids to sign up for the 50 yard challenge. So I done that about for the first few times I've done it for the, for those group of people. Then I realized I could start mowing for different causes. So another cause, so I started mowing for causes. And I think the first cause that I mowed for was a veteran. So I had a, had a lot more wrapped in camo for veterans. I went to all 50 states thanking veterans for the service. And I think maybe the second one might've been um, mowing with cops where I went to all 50 states and um, I mowed for police officers. Um, I invited police officers to come out and mow with me. And that whole idea was to, you know, invite police officers to come out and move me and try to build the gap between officers and the communities using free loan care. So officers came out and, and moved with me in their uniform. And I got to interview them, ask them, you know, how long they've been in service and stuff like that. And, you know, just, just putting a face on the police officers. You know, a lot of them were taking bad raps because for one thing, what happened in the news, people will blame all police officers. And that's not right. So, you know, I've done that tour and just, you know, Met a lot of wonderful officers, some in all the different states. Brilliant. Well, mentorship, I think, is is a key for you know a lot of issues that we see. And I think, as you said, bridging the gap between law enforcement and kids in the community. I've had um, uh, one of the founders of the New York Kids uh, Boxing Kids and Cop oh Cops and Kids Boxing. I have to edit that out. New York Cops and Cops. The New York Cops and Kids Boxing. That's a real mouthful. Um, where again, they bring kids in and they teach them how to box. I've had, you know, just all kinds of uh, organizations where they bridge that gap and it's had great results because they see each other as human beings. The same way that a cop can be demonized. Well, yeah, a young, young man can be demonized too, depending on, you know, where he lives and how he dresses. So what are you seeing? Um, yeah, as far as the effect of that mentorship between whether it's the the elderly, the the military, the you know single mothers, whoever it is, creating these connections between humans rather than labeling them as such. Yeah, um, there's a lot of connections. Um, yeah, it's hard to explain. I mean, but like when I do this stuff for the police officers, a lot of them, when I 
I started that and then um, I offered these free lawnmowers with lights on their lawnmowers and donate them to different police departments. A lot of them reach out to me saying, oh, this is a great way to connect with the kids in the community. And that, that was the whole point of it. It was a kid that probably won't trust the officer, will see an officer with this cool lawnmower that lights up. And then he will come up to the police officer, hey, what's this? And that will start that conversation. And that conversation could lead to mentorship. It could lead to a friendship. And that was the whole idea. So I'm seeing that that's happening with all the police officers that are taking this uh, taking this, this lawnmower and using it in their community for community policing. It's just starting that conversation. And that conversation could go to anything. Because a lot of kids these days, they see on social media, oh, after police, this and that. But um, they need to learn how to trust the police and, and, and become friends with the police. Because who are you going to call when you're in trouble? You know, you know, you can call the police. You can call firefighters. You can call the ambulance. And we need to learn how to trust them. And um, I think free lawn care is a, is a great way to use mentorship, especially with the police, you know. Because they're getting, they're going into these communities and a lot of people saying, oh, I, I don't mess with the police. But if you see a police officer come and mow your grandma's lawn for free with a, with a police, with a, a lawnmower, like a police car with a light bar, you can say, hey, he mowed my grandma's lawn. That's pretty cool, you know. And stuff like that, just starting those conversations and it becomes friendships, mentorships. And you just never know where it's going to go. You know, you just never know. Yeah. Well, I think as well, the other side of the coin is, you know, sadly, this generation that we all live in now, you know, there's there's a, a lot of role models that are very selfish. Let's put it that way. And it's about me. It's about what I'm wearing. It's about how much money I've got, you know, blah, blah, blah. And not enough emphasis put on kindness. So... I can see how, you know, these young men and women, again, as you did when you mowed the first lawn, you know, get that feeling of, wow, this is, this is actually truly, you know, meaningful versus, you know, whatever I aspire to own. Um, you know, it, the material element, I think, is, is a kind of shiny object that we never achieve. But understanding that you don't have to be wealthy or, you know, whatever, you can literally do something kind and it, has a positive impact, which I can see then might change the the kind of path that a young man or a young woman is on, and maybe start looking at you know one of the professions that helps rather than hurts. Yeah, yeah, that, that is very true. You know, you never know what can spark a kid. You know, they might be thinking one day, oh, I'm gonna be a, a gangster. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. But they meet that one person. You never know who that person might be, and it's like they're going on that path, and that person they meet that person, and just takes them on the other path, which is a good path, kind of. And, you know, that influences them to become whatever they might, might be. Absolutely. Well, speaking of kind of, you know, preset paths, um, you know, yard work, again, you think um, stereotypically is man's work, quote unquote. So, you you know, you're raising men and raising women. So talk to me about, you know, some of the young ladies that have come into this program. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, originally it was called Raising Men, you know, and after a while, you know, so the young ladies were wearing raising men shirts, and I said, "No, they can't. That can't happen." So I just when we started raising women, and then you know, just saw a lot of young ladies sign up after that. And that was a good feeling to see young ladies getting out there, and, and I, they take it serious. And I said, "These girls can move better than these guys," you know. But you know, it just it's just a good thing to see young men and women get out there and, and wanting to do it. You know, um, I, what I've seen is it's been more young men than young ladies signing up, which is understandable. But you know. Whenever a young lady signs up, you know, it's, it's a great feeling, you know. She's getting out there. And we also, girls can do gardening if they want to. 
So whatever they see fit, they can get out there and do. You know, because you know we're all able. You know, a lot of us are physically able, and yeah, just 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 give back. Just give back. Well, when I think of mowing, you know, and or raking, you know, clearing snow, whatever it is, I'm also thinking of, you know, the fact that there's manual labor, so they're getting exercise there, you know, there's community. If, if, you know, there's more than one kid working on a lawn at the same time, um, you've got obviously the outdoors, you've got sunshine and fresh air. So many, many healing elements that are working against the kind of video game generation yeah. that, that a lot of people see. Yeah. Yeah. Just the whole point, just get out there and. Yeah, put down the video game for a little while and meet people, talk to people, and we require kids to find their own lawns. So that, I think that's a great thing. You know, they get out there and find their own lawns. So they get to meet neighbors. Um, they probably normally probably wouldn't have met, you know, if it wasn't for the program, uh, building friendships, building and building bonds. Absolutely. Well, for people listening, where can they, you know, find more about the project and how can they contribute? If, if whether it's actually volunteering or donating. Yeah, so everything is on our website, we are raisingmen.com, we are raisingwomen.com, raisingmenwomen.com. Um that's they can find they can donate, they can sign their kids up. Um we also have Amazon wish list, so all the lawnmowers and stuff that we give to kids, they'll donate it from our Amazon wish list. And every time a kid completes a challenge, I go and give them these items. Beautiful. Now, as a side note, you know, we're both immigrants in the US. Um mm-hmm. I remember after following you for a while that you kind of hit some some uh, hurdles when it came to immigration. Now, here you mm-hmm. are, you know, doing incredible things in the U.S. So, you know, if uh, I'd love to just kind of hear the challenges that you had. I mean, my, my immigration was long and drawn out, but, you know, mm-hmm. ultimately I was able to, to get all the paperwork that I needed. So talk to me about that and where you are at the moment. Yeah, so it's just um, working on getting a green card at the moment. So it's, it's a long, very long process, you know have everything in line. So right now we're submitting some paperwork and then um, they have to make a decision. So it all comes down to the decision of the immigration officer that oversees the case. But, you know, um, I have faith. I had a law, law firm, um, uh, Maynard Coopers out here in Huntsville, Alabama. I think they're a big, big um, firm. They got different places nationwide. And my immigration off, my immigration, I'm lawyer, Attorney um, Stephen Davis, he stepped up and helped me pro, pro bono because of what, what I've done in the community and, and trying to help me get my, my green card. And But it's been a long, been a very long process, very long, tiring process. But, you know, I, I have faith that it, it will work out and I should know something early, earlier next year about, about, the, about the whole thing. But, yeah, it's been a immigration. It's, it's, it's a long process and it can come, become very expensive. Yeah, I think people don't understand that. I mean, you know, I I was married to an American, so my path was probably the, the straightest, easiest one that anyone encounters. But you know, without getting political, because there's no reason to. Um, you know, there there are very many men and women in this country that are doing beautiful things, you know, incredible things, and 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 serving this country. And I hope that we can separate between you know the ones that are contributing, and then you know the the outliers that maybe are a danger to the country. But yeah, I think, you know, this, this nation was built on immigration and, you know, I think everyone that's proven that they are contributing should be given an opportunity. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm hoping for that they can see all the evidence, you know, and take it from there. But yeah, I have faith that it'll work itself out. 
Absolutely. Well, you're doing incredible things. So I want to thank you for that. I got a couple of closing questions before I let you go. The first one I love to ask, is there a book that you love to recommend or books? They can be related to our discussion today or completely unrelated. You know, growing up, my dad always used to give me books like uh, As a Man Thinketh and stuff like that. Um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, Who Moved My Cheese, books like that, um, you know, I grew up on. So I would definitely recommend books like that. Brilliant. Um, all right, the next question. Is there a person that you recommend to come on this podcast as a guest to speak to the first responders, military, and associated professions of the world? Um, yeah, my friend Yuri Williams. You know, he does great things in the community. You know, We're actually about to go on a 50-state tour together and give our gifts to the kids who have cancer and stuff. But he does stuff for officers, the military, and he dresses up as superheroes and goes to childhood cancer hospitals and he uh you know uplifts kids and he he done something for veterans recently but he every year he does something for veterans where he goes to he lives in california so he goes down to skid row and dresses up as a superhero and gives out gifts and other things they need year round and stuff like that so yeah he's a great guy great guy Beautiful. Well, does it, did he talk about what that looked like this time around? Because I've had some guests that, um, you know, work in Skid Row. One was a judge who started talking about mentorship. He started a running club for Skid Row and is, you know, like formerly homeless addicts, all kinds of people that turned their lives around running with him. Um, but that's a, you know, community that we don't really think of this last year and a half is the homeless community. So did he report any stories from there? Um, not really. I, I haven't ask him about that, but I'm sure he has a bunch of stories because, you know, he's been working on there for, for a few years now. So he has a bunch of stories. I can give you his contact information as well. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. All right. Well, then the last question before we reinforce where people can find you, mm-hmm. what do you do to decompress when you're not corralling kids and mowing lawns? I just home relaxing, you know, just home relaxing, watch TV, Netflix or something like that. I, I don't do much at all. So I just, just stay home when I'm, when I'm off the road and if I'm not moving or something, just stay home. Home doing something with raising men and raising women, I don't care, sending out shirts or something. But that is my life's work. So I got to wake up every morning and do what I love. Love so it. I, I for the world. Now, just as a tangent, you know, you were chasing the kind of um, computer IT path for a while. So is that something you do on the side still or did you basically jump into this with both feet? Yeah, just jump into this. I just run my organization full time. Fantastic. All right. Well, then, so you mentioned about the website. We are raising men.com. We are raising, or we are raising women.com or raising men and women.com. Beautiful. All right. So, there anywhere else people can find you on social media? Yeah. Um, I am Rodney Smith on Twitter. I'm Rodney Smith Jr. on Facebook and Instagram. Well, Rodney, I just want to say thank you so much. Um, you know, like I said, I came across what you were doing a few years ago now. And, um, you know, between that and, you know, the immigration struggles as well, it popped up on my feed again. But mentorship is so important. And I talk about this a lot. People that are on the ground that step up and bring a solution to a problem rather than sitting there lazy boy just bitching about it. Um, you know, I, I have so much admiration for. So I just want to thank you so much for telling your story today. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me on. It means a lot.